Good morning. Welcome again. Um, before we start with prayer, uh, just a couple of things. One, um, uh, thank you for all of the uh, anniversary wishes and cards. Uh, greatly appreciate that. Yesterday was our 23rd wedding anniversary. We spent it at a ball field in Noblesville, at a ball field in Greenfield, and basketball courts in Fishers. Literally. So from left the house at seven in the morning and I think I got home about 11 o'clock last night. So, but uh, that's how it works when you got kids in sports and some of you understand, some of you might remember and those of you that have forgotten, I'm looking forward to that. No, no, <laughs> not really, just joking. So all good, all good. Uh, just a, a couple things real quick. Um, we will be starting um, kind of a Wednesday night type of program this fall. Um, and we're going to start kind of small with this. The first thing we're doing is we are moving the 7th and 8th grade confirmation classes to Wednesday nights. We also, in the fall, will start up a new form of faith class. Uh, most of you know what that is. That's adult confirmation, if you will, or instruction uh, for those that want to either remind themselves, relearn, remember some of the basics of the faith, and for the sake of, of some of our new people coming in as well. Um, and so that'll be from 7 to 8.30 every Wednesday night. Uh, at the same time, we want to get our high school youth uh, really going again. So uh, my, my first reason for telling you all this is we're looking for some, a few good people. Uh, to help out with our high school youth. Um, I love working with the youth, and uh, we'll, you, you will see me doing some of that, but it's really important that you have a couple of kind of organizers uh, and just people that like doing activities and that sort of thing. So if you are an individual or a couple uh, that would like to work with uh, the high schoolers, uh, come see me or Pastor Grady, and we'll put you to work. Uh, you know, in, in the past, I've had combinations of parents uh, that have kind of helped out with that, and we kind of get a, a group or committee that does that. So there's a lot of ways to skin the cat, uh, proverbially uh, blah, 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 speaking. Uh, so if you're interested, just, just let us know. And then what we're going to do on Wednesday night, and we'll, we'll just kind of see is those three groups, so the Form of Faith class, the 7th and 8th grade confirmation, and the high school, it'll start at 7, uh, but we're going to start in the sanctuary and have just kind of a short little prayer service, uh, 15 to 20 minutes. Okay, we'll publicize with this with the rest of the congregation, but if you're free on Wednesday nights, uh, you want to come, uh, pray, and meditate, uh, and receive a little bit of the Lord's Word, we'll kind of have a short service on Wednesday. Um, we'll see how that develops down the road after that. Um, at some point, we'd like to have a regular Wednesday evening service, an actual prayer office, uh, every Wednesday. We do that during Advent and Lent, as you well know. Uh, but this will give us an opportunity to get some of these other important things taken care of and to gauge kind of some of the interest. The last thing I will say is if there are some of you adults that would like to have a Bible class on Wednesday night during that same time, we as pastors are very open to that. Um, obviously, since we're going to be busy with the uh, youth uh, kind of banging between those two and the form of faith classes, We'll need a couple of adult leaders to kind of step up and lead that. We'll help you provide some curriculum, you know, book. Uh, there's a, a few ways of doing that. So that'll hopefully add another Bible study opportunity. So for some of you doing anything in the weeknights is just 
totally out of the question and we get that and understand that. For some of you, you know, you're, you're looking for some of that and we're trying to provide for that as well, okay? Any questions on that? That was kind of like a public service announcement is what that was. <laughs> Nothing? Okay, good, good. All right, Pastor Grady, anything else I missed that we need to share or talk about? Oh yeah, yeah. Wednesday morning Bible study will still continue during, even though we've got stuff on Wednesdays. Uh, so for you Wednesday morning folks, uh, keep that up. Uh, we resume this week, and then is it next week then that we're off? We'll tell you when you come. So it's kind of summer. Typically, we haven't had a Wednesday morning Bible study during the summer, and this summer we said we'll keep it going, but it's just going to be because of vacation and other conferences and schedules and that. Okay. Good. Good. All right, let's begin. The Lord be with you. O oh God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong and nothing is holy, multiply your mercy on us, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. We're talking about sanctification here. I should say Professor Marquardt is uh, talking to sanctification about us. Last week we talked about the role of good works, and we're going to dive into that just a little bit. Uh, first service people, you heard some of that echoed and taught to you in the sermon today. Good job, Pastor Grady. Um, and especially notice the collect of the day that I just prayed, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal. So the real challenge for the Christian is while we remain a sinner uh, in this life, and while we are surrounded by sickness, disease, death, and bad choices that we make and that others make, uh, the prayer is that we would not lose the things that are eternal, right? So Jesus himself calls us to set our minds and our hearts on things that are above. And so one of the, the most simplest questions you can ask yourself on a regular basis is, is this. What I enjoy, what I am doing, or what I am focused on, is it idolatry? And you might say to yourself, idolatry, whoa, whoa, that's a really big word. That's like the, the prophets of Baal, right? Uh, that's like, you know, them falling down and calling out to, uh, to Baal to, to pour water on their, their fire or light their, light their fire, you know, their sacrifice. Uh, this is false worship. Uh, I'm not into any of that. But the first commandment is you shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So when you start to kind of run that through the filter, you find that what you fear, what you love, and what you trust are often not the guy upstairs, right? Not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so much. You, pay, you place your fear, love, and trust in other people, in jobs, careers, and you know, your, your IRAs, you know, your, your job. Um, I mean, you can just, just kind of start to think through this. What are the things that are most important to you? And then as a Christian, you always have to back off and say, okay, 
am I fearing, loving, and trusting in these things too much? You see? Um, have they become a God to me? Now, that doesn't mean that, that you can't enjoy those things or that you shouldn't take care of them. Scripture clearly tells us that, that all things are permissible, right? And, and sometimes that's where we get this phrase, you're free in the gospel, but not all things are beneficial or, yeah, okay? So, you know, I, I have freedom to do that. So I have freedom to uh, drink alcohol, eat good food, you know, um, do all these other things, but the question is always, do these things become a God for me? Are, are they most important? Okay. Moderation is a good word. That doesn't always touch everything in some regards, um, but, but that's a good word that Scripture uh, uses as well. Um, so all of this, when we're talking about the sanctified life, the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, we see that there is, and thanks be to God for this, a work that is outside of ourselves, which is literally the Holy Spirit, extranos, outside, coming in now and, and motivating, enlightening, equipping us to do good things. Okay? Um, and one of the things that I marveled at as I slowly matured, and it was probably by my mid-twenties, I was a late bloomer, um, that I, I started to, you know, why do I, why am I so concerned about some of these things? Because it always seemed like those are the things my parents would think about, and oh my goodness, now I'm becoming like my mom or my dad, right? And I'm losing my youthfulness. Um, but really what was, what was happening was the Holy Spirit, through His Word, uh, was setting my mind and slowly molding and shaping me towards that. And, and don't get me wrong, the Holy Spirit still has a lot of work to do with me. Same as he probably does with you. But, but, but over time, you, you find a power that is outside of yourself to help combat some of those things um, that brings humility. And um, I don't know how quickly that's going to come with my boys. That's another story. <laughs> but if you have children, you know what I mean. It, 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 it just, you know, it, it, it takes time. And, you know, a few well-placed kicks in the butt and, and a few well-placed hugs as well and encouragement are important. Okay. Questions or comments before we get into Marquardt's text? Anything that pops in your mind that you're curious about? Okay. You ready to do this? Okay. All right. So where are we at? We are on page, help me out, highlighters in the audience, 63. Is that correct? Why did I not mark that from where we're done? So we're on the bottom of 63, more about sanctification. Is this correct? Okay, here we go. A possible objection to the above discussion might run like this. Love and good works are rather central in the preaching of our Lord himself and in the New Testament generally. To speak of salvation by faith and works reflects the importance of good works better than to use faith alone language. Yet the opposite is in fact the case. Paradoxically, good works can be done only if salvation is not by works, but through faith alone. If salvation were due to good works, then good works would be impossible. So question for you, where do good works, according to scripture, originate? Can good works originate within the old man or the sinner within you? 
That was a closed-end question. Tell me how, somebody tell me how, how that's possible then, that a sinner can do good works, but that the good works aren't coming from the sinner himself. How do you summarize that? Okay, absolutely. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the unseen force. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit in the early church, the early church really uh, was not uh, Pentecostal or charismatic. Uh, so when we talk about Pentecostal and charismatic churches or beliefs today, they are constantly looking for additional manifestations of the Holy Spirit or some power of the Holy Spirit outside of what we would normally consider to be, quote, the work of the Holy Spirit in the church, right? So, for example, you've been baptized, okay? Raise your hand if you were, you were sprinkled. Okay, you're all going to hell. Well, according to, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here, so, so please follow along with me, okay? Um, that, uh, uh, you know, you have not truly experienced the Holy Spirit. So you, you have not had uh, a true rebirth of the Spirit, or you haven't been born again. So being born again would require, and, 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 and this is where it gets kind of crazy trying to understand Pentecostals and Charismatics. Some would say you've got to be completely immersed, first of all. So, so us baby baptizers, we truly haven't been baptized, one, because we, we weren't immersed in water. And I don't know if you ever talked to anybody about that before. I've had a lot of Baptist friends. I spent three, four years as a pastor down in Arkansas and was surrounded by, by Baptists uh, and, uh, you know, and, and loved them. I appreciated that they, they loved the Bible. And I appreciated that I could quote Scripture to them and they would actually listen. Okay? And that they would actually pause and think about it. Whereas sometimes when I've talked with other Christians, they're always trying to run what Scripture says through some other filter, like what the Pope says, or what the councils have said, or what the prophet has said. You know, if you talk to, to a Muslim that's willing to engage you in conversation, and some of them do know their Old Testament quite well, besides the Quran, okay? Uh, and, and they know most of the Bible stories that you and I have been brought up with in Sunday school. And so sometimes you can engage in conversation with that, but... You know, a Muslim is always going to run some of these things through what the Prophet Muhammad has said, or what the Quran has stated. Same thing with a Mormon. So you've heard what's going on in the Mormon church now, what they have said. It used to be that at least you could depend on the Mormon church for solid family values. I would say that's really gone by the wayside now. Okay? Um, they have now um, are allowing for uh, same-sex marriage and uh, welcoming uh, homosexuality and other things. You, you pay attention to some of the news on this. This is big. Uh, but I would say to you, the Mormon church is simply following the almighty dollar, okay, which is kind of where they've been the last 20, 30 years. Okay? Um, w when I was in, in, in business, in our family business, we worked with a lot of Mormons. And some of the best-run businesses and franchises that, uh, you know, that, that I saw. Now, some of you have had more experience in that regards than me, obviously, because I didn't stay in that line of work. Uh, but they, I loved working with the Mormons. They were great. And, you know, we'd be at trade shows or we'd be at conferences, and every Sunday morning I'd tell you exactly where they were. They went to church. So, and I went a couple of times. I didn't necessarily enjoy it. 
Uh, it was a lot of self-help type stuff, uh, but, but very interesting, okay? So there, you're always trying to, you know, all these other, quote, faiths and other Christian denominations are filtering things through the lens, and that's why Marquardt has been teaching us what does God's Word say, okay? So when God's Word talks about sexuality, when God's Word talks about marriage, when God's Word talks about the sanctity of human life, and defending the, you know, the poor and the widowed and the orphaned and caring for them. You know, when God's Word talks about forgiving your brother and sister uh, in Christ Jesus when they've sinned against you, and, and as Jesus teaches you to pray, these things are important. Okay? And likewise, when Jesus says now, you know, uh, look at what you know, your Father in heaven has given to you and be mindful of how and why he's given these things to you. Not necessarily for your own good, but for the good of your neighbor. Which is why Jesus summarizes the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, depending on the translation. And then he says the second, and that's the second table of the law, is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So you want to know what you must do, or I would phrase it this way, you want to know what God has called you to do, and given you the ability to do, which is where we're going with the work of the Holy Spirit. He's called you first to be able to love God, to have faith in Him. Okay, He's created a new man, and the new man now totally loves God, loves God's law. The new man within you wants to do the right things. The new man in you wants to go out of your way you know, to help people and to sacrifice and to do all that. Okay? Now you've still got the old Adam there within you that is battling that. And, and so sometimes that old Adam needs to be dunked, okay, or needs to be killed. And that's why Luther uses that language, that we die daily in our baptism in order that the new man may rise and live before God. Okay, uh, so that old Adam has to be drowned. Uh, my uh, uh, associate pastor I had uh, for a while in Hastings, name is uh, uh, Ben Siebert. He's from Midland, Michigan. He's now in Lincoln, Kansas. And on his desk... He would have a cup of water, and, and, and he would have to keep adding water to it because the water would evaporate, but he wouldn't use it for drinking. In, in this cup of water, he, he had a, a, a little, I don't know what it was, kind of like a Barbie doll <laughs> or a, a tiny little man, and the man was upside down in the water. And so whenever the high school kids or somebody would come talk to him, that was always one of his um, object lessons. That, you know, and he would, he would simply pick it up and he would dunk it headfirst in the water. <laughs> the old man has to be drowned and die, right? And that'll, that'll stick with me forever, okay? The old man has to be drowned and die. And, and so when we're caught in sin, when we're caught in, in idolatry or our fear, love, and trust is somewhere else, um, and of course, it always will be because we're still a sinner, Right? So if you come talk to one of us as pastors, you're struggling with it, I'm going I'm to give you, a, I'm going to tell you a secret. You want to hear it? We're going to try and identify what you fear more than God. We're going to try and identify what you love more than God in, in that situation and what's going on. And we're going to try and identify where your trust is. Okay? Um, and then, hopefully, we'll see some repentance on your part where you say, <laughs> you know, I've screwed up, 
and, and I'm, I, you know, my fear, love, and trust, or, or one, or all of them hasn't been where it needs to be, and I'm sorry, and I want to do better, and we'll say, well, I've got really good news for you. Jesus forgives you. And, and I, as your pastor, speak his words to you. I forgive you. And now he promises that he's not going to leave you nor forsake you. He's going to strengthen you for this task. And uh, all guilt should be gone. And when Satan comes back to hound you and, and remind you of this, which is what happens, by the way, in marriages, right? You, you remember all the stuff that happened before, but when you forgive someone, what are you supposed to do? Forget about it. You're not supposed to bring it back up. If you've been forgiven, you can't bring it back up. Jesus doesn't. And that's the forgiveness you're supposed to have. Now, I'm not saying you, know, you won't you know, uh, remember. <laughs> you will remember. You, know, you will always remember, and I'm sure you do now, people that have hurt you really bad in your life. Okay? But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And now he says, pray this way, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. See, forgiveness is all about Jesus. It's not about you being okay with what someone did to you. It's about you believing that Jesus died for sin. And early service people, read the epistle lesson again. Late service people, just wait for it then the confession becomes, I am the foremost sinner. I don't deserve God's grace and mercy. Okay, But thanks be to God, as St. Paul writes, he's given me the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in that faith, and in what Christ has now done, redeeming you, not with gold or silver, his holy precious blood, his innocent suffering and death, you, you now are freed, and, and, and the Holy Spirit now takes up residence through the power of this word and the sacraments, and begins to work through you, not in a crazy puppet or chucky sort of way, right? In, in a beautiful way, in a very unique way. So I think one of the things as a parent that I'm most excited about, uh, and, and I pray that the Lord grants me life and health to do that and that of my children, is watching them as, as to, to see what He has in store for them, right? To, to see the vocations, so we're at that age where we're doing college visits and where we're talking about all those things. And, and I'm kind of excited. I don't know what it'll be. And, and I trust God will lead me. And I'll love them no matter what they do, as long as they're not drug dealers and crackheads or something. But no, I'll still love them. But you know what I mean. So, you know, I pray that they'll have a, a good and God-pleasing, you know, vocation. Um, and, you know, but to see the various talents. And, you know, if you've had kids, you, you marvel at how different each of them are. And just how, you know, where in the world did that come from? Or how did that combination come from, you know, my wife and me? Or as I often say, yeah, he got that from her. <laughs> that, a good, I was saying that in a good way, not in a bad way. Okay. All right. She's not here, so I'm just not going to talk about her. Okay. Um, okay. So if salvation were due to good works, and good works would be impossible. Any questions before we move on? Top of page 64. An example will show why this is so. Suppose a stranger comes to one's door needing food and shelter. Now, if one believes that good works help to earn salvation, it will be impossible to, to avoid some such calculation as this. How unfortunate for me that this needy person came along because in helping him, I am adding to my deposits in heaven, which will ultimately get there. Did I say unfortunate? I meant fortunate. 
how fortunate for me that this needy person came along because in helping him, I am adding to my deposits in heaven, which will ultimately get me there. So such selfishness would poison any help we might render and keep it from being a good work. It's hardly a good work to take advantage of other people's troubles by making them stepping stones in the pursuit of our own interests. Indeed, it is just this misconception which enables modern Marxists to boast that they are more selfless than Christians, since they, the Marxists, gladly serve the interests of mankind without any hope of eternal reward, whereas Christians have to be bribed with pie in the sky to do so. Okay? Now, it's interesting that he, he kind of uh, brings uh, into a little bit of this discussion some communism, um, you know, uh, which he lived through, and, 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 I, I, and I, I understand there, there's different branches, if you will, of that, so let's just leave it as he says it in terms of Marxism, um, but that, that they identified that, okay? Any comments on that from some of our history buffs or otherwise? Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he, he stated you can replace Marxist with just someone that doesn't believe in God, okay? Um, so whether we're talking in belief in the one true God or belief in a God, whether we're talking atheist or agnostic, I would say absolutely. And I think that's a hard thing sometimes. Christianity, as it has developed, doesn't, hasn't done itself a lot of favors sometimes in reaching out to the world or to the unbeliever. Uh, because it certainly appears that, you know, uh, this is all a matter of, well, let's just call it for what it is. I works righteousness, right? Uh, and then unbelievers would say, hey, you know, I help my neighbor. You know, I belong to Rotary. I belong to Kiwanis. Um, I've met a lot of great, I don't know about you, I've met a lot of, I've had neighbors, I've had people I've served with in civic organizations, uh, in, in, um, well, I haven't gotten involved in politics, I've, I've been involved a little bit in, in some local government and communities, and um, I've met some great people that aren't believers, that do a really good job helping other people. Have you met anybody like that? I mean, I have, Okay. I'm not saying they're always the ones I want to hang around with all the time, um, but, but they do good work. So, so then there kind of becomes this question, well, hey, you know, I do good work, uh, you know, but you Christians say you got to do work to get to heaven, you know, but I'm doing it anyway. So how, how would you answer somebody like that with the question Professor Marquardt here is proposing? How do you, how do you answer that? Oh, good. Yeah, you'd have to go to the Bible, wouldn't you? All of our, all of our righteousness is filthy rags. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What else? Oh, Monty, you are, you're giving me the look. I've seen that look at an elders meeting before. I like, I like that answer, too. Uh, think of, um, oh, my goodness. I mean, we could, you know, you, know, you, you look at uh, how God used uh, King Ahab uh, or King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and so the, the, the Lord is still at work even through unbelievers. And I think th this should be a great source of comfort for you as well. Um, that, you know, say even when you have somebody in office, whether it's mayor 
whether it's uh, congressmen, congresswoman, um, you know, that sort of thing that you don't agree with, you know, you, you don't like, uh, you don't, however you want to say it, the question is, can God still work through such people? Can he? Okay. Um, now, that doesn't mean that you have to give your yes or your amen or even, you know, and, and that becomes a real, especially in our time and age where party lines have just changed so much, right? Um, I, I don't want to go too far with this, but, you know, I... <laughs> It's, it, it, it's been very difficult sometimes for Republicans to be Republicans and Democrats to be Democrats. Can I say that without you throwing anything at me? Because of some of the varied beliefs and, and things. And so then you get stuck kind of with your candidate for your party one way or the other, and you want to advance some of these other things, but you're like, oh boy, <sighs> you know. Um, and, and ultimately, the Christian, okay, Regardless of where you where you fall in the, the you know our our nation and our political system, a Christian must trust that God is at work, and that God will work even through those who don't believe, uh, who don't do that. Now that doesn't mean you, you necessarily sit quietly by. You should always be working for the good and care of your neighbor and that sort of thing. Um, any comments on that? Did I go too far? Just tell me if I did. But, but, you know, that, there, there's some things that I think just changed in the last 20, 30 years that we have to be mindful of. Okay. Yep, yep. Pete? Okay. 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 So, so Pete's comment was, um, uh, you know, good works are works then that you do for God. Is that did I did what I summarize that okay? Okay. 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 Any comments on that? I, I think that's completely fair. Uh, I mean, all, all of our works, you know, would go back to God. The only, the only caveat that I would add to that is that God says the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. God doesn't need your good works. So you don't want to fall into that trap of Christianity either. That God needs your money, God needs your good works. God doesn't need any of that. Who does? So, so just hang, hang on to it that way. Okay, let's move on to the next paragraph. It is only if we already have the free gift of justification through faith in Christ that we are truly free to help and serve others for their own sake and from the love of God. Salvation by grace alone takes us off our own hands, so to speak, and liberates us for unself-conscious service. Do you want to try looking up a Bible passage? She's been waiting for me to do this. Let's look at Matthew 25, 37 to 39. 
uh, down a little further, 37 to 39, right? Okay, there we go. Let's read it together. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And let's keep going. And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Okay? And that might be a good passage, Pete, that combines what you said and, 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 and how I kind of caveated that just a little bit, um, is that, yes, it is to God, but the focus then is your neighbor. Luther talked a lot about the masks of God. Raise your hand if you've heard a little bit of that before, the masks of God. So Luther talks about uh, how each of us now in our vocation you know, wear a, a mask, if you will. So it's God at work now through me as a husband, as a wife, as a dad, as a mom, as a doctor, as an electrician, as a teacher. You get the idea. But these are all the masks of God, okay? And you might also take how Luther taught vocation properly and look at that in terms of your neighbor, right? Uh, that as you are serving others, you then are serving God, but you just have to make sure you don't fall into the trap that you're serving God because you want Him to bless you more, you see, or to give you more than you already have. That would be a false dichotomy then, okay? Um, and so that's kind of what Jesus is, is, is getting at with this. Um, same concept with the Good Samaritan, which is really about Jesus, our Good Samaritan, uh, but serving and caring for our, number, our neighbors. Uh, Regardless of uh, race or creed, by the way, okay? And I think sometimes we have to be mindful of that as Christians, uh, that uh, we become so good at just serving the household of faith, of people that either look like us, talk like us, walk like us, live by us, that we forget about our neighbors elsewhere, okay? Um, and, and sometimes, you know, we're afraid to, to jump in and, and help and support some of those things. So, okay. Any other comments before we move on? Yep. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to answer that one. His question was verse 41 when Jesus says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you're cursed, and the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now you're baiting the pastor into a political debate. <laughs> And I'm just going to move on. <laughs> Come have a, a beer or a bourbon with me at home, and I'll tell you what I really think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Right. Yeah. Him almost everywhere we drive. 
So the question uh, for those uh, listening uh, here on the internet, um, let me see if I can summarize it correctly, is simply, um, you know, when, when we see people that are asking for money in the parking lot or at the corners of the intersections, uh, part of you, you know, feels guilty. Should you, shouldn't you, how should you feel about all that? Is that, is that fair? Uh, thanks for asking that. That is a really good question. And I just had this conversation with a couple of my boys the other day uh, because we were driving around all of the other idolatrous activities. Now, they're not really idolatrous. Uh, all the other things that they're, they're doing, which, you know, they went to church and now they're doing that now too. But anyway, um, so the, the, the question um, is, the question they asked is, you know, well, you know, should we give these guys, you know, that sort of thing, okay? So I'm, I'm going to see if I can summarize this for you the way I think through this. We deal with this professionally as a church on a, on a fairly regular basis, okay? And it's a proper balance of compassion and stewardship. It's a proper balance of compassion and stewardship, okay? Do we want to help or should we want to help? Does the new spirit within you want to help anyone that you see that's in need or that is asking for help? Yes. Okay. Um, now the question is, what's the best way to help? That's stewardship. I don't give money, any money at all, to people that I don't know or that I don't know how they're going to use that money. Okay. If somebody asks me for food, I will go buy food for them. Okay? And I've stopped several times with people at the corners and said, hey, can I take you to the grocery store? No. Just give me cash. Okay? So I would say, I would, I would say this. You see someone in the parking lot. I mean, thanks be to God you're in a public place. And they're not like hanging out outside your front door or something, right? Uh, I mean, don't invite them in if that's the case. <laughs> but, you know, you're in a public place like there. Say, hey. Can I take you inside and buy you $10 worth of groceries? See what they say. Okay? See what they say. Um, uh, secondly, we have other ways that we do support some of those other people and through, through our Lutheran children and family services. Silverbergs can tell you more about that. Go, to, go down and visit that. I know we've got some other organizations in Boone County and Hamilton County uh, that seek to work to, to address some of that as well. Um, and, and the real important thing is you want to make sure people are getting what they need, not necessarily what they want, okay? Um, the last thing I'll say is what prompted the conversation with my boys was not just seeing, uh, you know, the people that get dropped off at Michigan and, and 465 every day. That made them think of when they went to uh, 4th of July in Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago. Uh, we've done that a couple of times. If you haven't been to Washington, D.C. for the 4th, did you watch it on TV this year? I caught a little bit of it. Um, I mean, it's just, there's just, all I will say with it, of, of this, regardless of who's in office, is it's pretty cool to be in Washington, D.C. on the 4th of July. It, it, I don't like crowds of people. I mean, I would rather be up here than down there with you. <laughs> Maybe that's why I do what I do. I mean, I'll do it. I'm not going to, you know, get, I, I just, I don't like being around a lot of people, but uh, it, it's a pretty neat experience. But the one thing the boys noticed is they said, there's so many homeless veterans. So they're everywhere. You know, and so then that prompted kind of a patriotic slash, you know, I mean, one, I was glad my boys were concerned about our veterans. Okay? And their question was, you know, you know, you know all these veterans, why aren't we taking care of them as a nation? 
Why aren't we doing that? So then that allowed me to educate my boys on some of the great programs we do have for our veterans. You know, are there things we could do better? Sure. I mean, raise your hand if you're a veteran. Could you stand up real quick? Can we this July 4th? I know you don't. Could you, could you just humble me for, or uh, uh, humor me for a second? Thank you for your service. Most veterans don't, don't like that, but too bad. Uh, thank you for, for your work and for your service. We appreciate that. Um, you know, and so, you know, you know, so support some of these organizations. I mean, the other question that I've seen is, I, I've, seen, I've seen people that have been imposters on different things. Um, I also have seen people that, you know, they, they have addictions and problems that aren't properly being dealt with. And a $20 bill is not going to help them you know, get off the bottle uh, or find a house and that sort of, it's hard work. Um, and so I think try and get to know the people that are in need and help as much as you can. Uh, the Lord will provide. Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So, you know, don't, don't feel guilty about it. I would say try and channel that energy. If you're uncomfortable and not sure what you can do, Go, go volunteer at one of, these, one of these missions. Go down to Lutheran Children Family Services. Go to the soup kitchen, okay? Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep. I, I agree with you completely, and, and, I, and I hope I, I, you understood what I was saying, is that only give if you know the situation, okay? Um, and instead, these other organizations and resources, you know. Um, food and water, to me, is a pretty basic thing. So if somebody needs food and water, I, I think, you know, gladly and happily try and provide for that. Thank you. Good stuff. Okay, anything else? Okay, yeah, it wasn't really off topic. That was good. All right. Okay, where are we at? We got four minutes. How are you doing back there? You haven't had to work too much today. Okay, so without this source, we're, we're on the second full paragraph. Uh, let me go up just a little bit. So a work is a good work, only if it proceeds from that love and gratitude to God, which flows from genuine repentance and faith. Without this source and a right relationship with God through justifying faith, our works are not God-pleasing, offerings, but self-made religious junk. So scripture teaches us that the true good works, works that are pleasing to God, um, are works now that are a complete and joyful response to faith. So, you know, so when people have come and they've talked to me, oh, pastor, I know it's budget time and, and, and I just, you know, uh, you know, I didn't get that raise this year. We had this extra expense on our house and and we're really struggling with trying to decide what to, what to give this year. I'll, if you come talk to me about that, I'll say, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And why? And so I have people said, well, I have to give whatever percentage is. So, so we used to, for Stewardship Sunday, I don't know if we do that here. You know, you'd fill out a commitment each year, you know, where you give, you know, a certain, we always did percentages. So I'm going to give 8% of my income, and I'm going to give 10%, I'm going to give 12%, whatever, whatever you decide to give. You know. Now, planning is a good thing. I'm not opposed to providing that as an option for some people. 
But you also have to realize that can turn into law. Because then why do people feel they have to give? I promised God. I promised I'd give Him 9.5%. And I've only got 7 to give. <laughs> I'm going to hell. You give from a joyful heart. Now that sounds silly, but don't tell me that you haven't had some feelings of guilt with giving or things you've wanted to do in the past. So, so true giving is, is joyful giving. It's giving from the new spirit. Okay? So just kind of think and meditate on that. And then it becomes a trust that God is going to provide you know, for what you need. Don't give what you don't have. Be good steward, but give joyfully. Okay? And it's just, it's a whole different, it's hard to build a stewardship program around that. I've, I've gone through uh, uh, capital, several, three or four capital campaigns. I've been through consecrated stewards. All the stuff LCF has done for the last 30, 40 years. I was on, uh, I was a stewardship representative for the Nebraska District, the National Board of Mission. Uh, Heath Curtis is in charge of that, a classmate of mine, good friend and buddy. Um, and, you know, and, and he's doing some good stuff with it. But for me, it just kind of came down to, you know, I'm not sure why we need a national board for stewardship. Now, you can ask me about that some other time. I don't have time for it now, okay? Um, I mean, we do need to talk about money and organize, but sometimes it's almost like you're, you're using the law a little too much. But enough said. I'm going to kind of leave it at that. Okay. Let's finish this up, and then we'll be done for today. Like I always leave you with something to kind of, you're like, did he just say that? What do I think about that? So this discussion of the right kind or quality of the Christian's motivation must not be confused. And this is a good paragraph to end with. Listen to what Professor Marquardt is teaching us. Okay? This discussion of the right kind or quality of the Christian's motivation must not be confused, however, with a demand for perfection in degree or quantity. This latter easily becomes an excuse to do nothing at all. And that would be sinful and wrong, Right? Ah, Jesus will take care of all the homeless guys. I don't need to worry about any of them. Or the church, it'll be just fine without my offerings. Okay? That Advent, they got plenty of people with deep pockets. They don't need my help. I mean, you, just, you fall into that trap. There'll be other kids to coach the uh, you know, uh, baseball teams this year. I mean, how, you just, just keep playing that. Okay? So this latter easily becomes an excuse to do nothing at all. So for, instance, so for instance, there is abroad today the idea that if one does not feel like doing something, then one should not do it, or it would be hypocrisy. Therefore, if one is tired or generally out of sorts on Sunday morning, one reasons like this, I'd better not go to church today because I don't really feel like it, but just go through the motions. If I do that, I'd be a hypocrite. Such thinking makes us slaves to our mood. And that's a good place to end, okay? And I'll just leave you with one word, objective, and we'll leave it at that. All right, questions or comments? Good, good? Okay. Let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Hope you had a blessed uh, and uh, safe, uh, happy 4th of July. Um, we only had one canister that exploded, uh, <laughs> but no damage was done. So thanks be to God for that. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.